Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Psalm 61, reading from verse number 1, Psalm 61, reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us, they say, Hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings, sailor. From this verse of the scripture, the psalmist is pouring his heart to the almighty God. The psalmist is telling Lord, when my heart is overwhelmed, you are the only source of support. You are the only source of help that I find. You are the only place where I can find rest. Unfortunately for us, many in our society cannot make that same claim. There are many whose hearts are going through some very difficult situations, some very difficult challenge, but many of them do not find a place where they can rest. Many have no place of rest when their heart is overwhelmed. Many have no rock of defense. Do how do we know how do we explain? The fact that people are coming to the they are coming to church, they are identifying with Christ, they are calling themselves the people of God, and yet they find that there's a lot of unrest going on inside their hearts. There's a lot of issues going on in their life, and they cannot, they don't even know where to turn. And they call themselves believers, they call themselves Christians. If we who are believers, people who have access to the Almighty God through prayer, if we who are believers, people who have access to the hand that shaped the whole universe, to the one that spoke the universe into existence, if we as believers who are called by the name of the Almighty God have issues going on in our life and we don't know where to turn, what happens to the people who don't know Christ? What happens to them? That means they really have no hope. And that is why you see in our society right now, the alarming situation, the alarming cases of mental health. And you begin to wonder, what is going on in your country? What is going on? How can we explain the increasing rate of children and young adults that are now being diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and suicidal tendencies? It tells you there's a lot of people do not find, they don't have a place where their heart can find rest. Psalm 61, again, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Hear my cry, O God, and attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, Lord, when the weight of this world comes upon my shoulder, I want a place where I can call. When the conditions are not going the way I want you to, when the conditions are not they are not going the direction that I want you to go, there should be a place where you find solace. When things are going, when things are not going the direction that you expect it to go, there should be a name that you can call. When you open the pantry and the place is empty, you look in the bank account, there is nothing going on. You turn, you look for relationships, the relationships are not in existence. There should be a place where you can go. But the Lord God Almighty is telling us, the psalmist is telling us, say, hear my cry, O God, and attend unto my prayer. 
from the ends of the earth. In other words, in my deepest place of despair, in the place where I have the greatest difficulty, I call upon your name. And I'm asking you that, Lord, lead me to the rock. That unmovable thing, that strength, that place where we have the strength of God. He said, take me to that particular place, because that is the only place where I can find rest. Now, last week we started looking at the theme, winning the battle for the mind. And during our time together, I said that there is a mental health crisis in our culture. A mental health crisis in our culture. And if that is not the case, how, why would you be, why would you hear, why would you see children who are depressed? Why would a little boy, a little girl consider committing suicide if there is no mental health crisis in our society? Why are there many sad, sad people in the church? Why are there so many people in the church who have no, they don't even have a clue as to how to be able to give a solution to their own lives? Why? The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 8, reading from verse number 22. The Bible tells us there, it says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there, you know, why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughters of my people? In other words, where you know they, they, we're talking about the fact that people are in the house of God, people are in the place of the Almighty God, people are in a place where God is what God's presence is made available. And the interesting thing is that they can't even find solace. They say that and, and Jeremiah is asking the question: Is there is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no more help in the name of the Almighty God? Does it mean God doesn't hear and answer prayer anymore? Does it mean that we you know God's power is no longer available for us to be able to tap into? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Is there why then is there why there is no recovery for the health of my people? Why are the people in the church among the people who are the saddest and the most depressed people in the country? Why? Does it mean God doesn't hear prayer anymore? Does it mean God doesn't answer prayers anymore? There are many who are asking the same questions in our midst. Just like Jeremiah asked in those days. There are so many who are asking that question. Why is the health of the people of God in such a mess? Why is their mental health in such a mess? Why are they not healed? Why is the condition the way it is? Why? Those are some of the questions that we are going to be dealing with this morning. And last week I suggested to you. That there is a battle for the heart and the minds of believers. In other words, there is an assault on the mind of the believers such that they are not able to think the thoughts of God. They are not able to think the thoughts of Christ. And this battle for the mind is the quest by an outside influence to control the thoughts and the actions of the minds of believers. In other words, you look at what believers are supposed to believe. There are actions, there are situations, there are circumstances, there are, there are, there are forces out there that are, that are crowding the heart of the believer to make sure that they cannot concentrate on the word of God. The battle for the mind is the quest by outside influence to control the thoughts and the actions of the mind. And the fight, it is a fight to control what is going on inside the heart of every believer. That is what this battle for the mind is all about. I remember saying that the battle is important because, this, because of the central role that the heart and the mind plays in the life of a believer. Your heart and your mind is so central to the way you live that the enemy and God, uh, you know, that everybody is interested in it. Because the man that controls your heart, the man that controls what you think, is the man that controls your future. So I said that I remember saying that the battle for the battle for the mind is important because of the central role that the heart plays. The battle for the mind is important because the, it is the, in the heart that the believers make a decision to obey the laws of God. 
If you want to obey somebody, it comes from the heart. If you want to disobey somebody, it comes also from the heart. That is why your heart is very important. The mind makes obedience possible. That's why the heart is important. The mind makes change possible. If you are going in a particular direction and then you turn around and say, no, I want to travel a different direction. If that decision is made in your heart, the mind makes change possible. Number three, the heart is important because your, your heart makes, a, makes decision possible. If you cannot make up your mind, you are not going to be able to move on in life. And then finally, it is important because victory happens first in your heart before it begins to manifest. If defeat is what you experience in your heart, that is what you are going to manifest. I refer to that as the law of double creation. It is what you are able to experience inside that you can manifest outside. If you, are able to manif- if you are able to manifest victory, if you are able to manifest courage, if you are able to see God move on your behalf, inside your heart, then it is easy for you to begin to pray that in real life. But if you don't see God working on your behalf, if you, if you don't believe that God can visit you, if you don't believe that God can answer your prayer, why are you wasting your time praying? Why are you coming to church? Why are you reading the scriptures? If you don't believe God hears you. So the decision... The mind makes victory possible. We take charge of our life through our lives through the control of the mind. In other words, the condition of your mind determines the future that you are going to have. If your mind is messed up, God will help you. In other words, our mind determines who we are. Our minds determine who we are. And that is exactly what the book of Proverbs chapter 32 in verse number 7 tells us. It says, for as he thinks in his heart... So he is. So is he. In other words, whatever is going on inside your heart is what we are going to see. If you see a person who is always agitated, look inside your heart. Their, their mind is agitated. Their minds are disturbed. But if you see a person who has a calm dominion, a person who exhibits joy, a person who is always happy, a person who has a positive outlook in life, look inside your heart. That is exactly what's going on in there. But if there is conflict inside the heart, if there is turmoil inside the heart, you will see that same thing reflected in the whole way. The Bible says that for as he he thinks in his heart, so is he. And that is why God is interested in your heart. And interestingly also, or fortunately also, the devil is also interested in your heart. Because he knows that if he's able to plant the seed of discord, if he's able to plant the seed of deceit, if he's able to plant the seed of, the, of, of doubt in your heart, then he can mess up whatever the Lord Almighty has planted in there. So God is interested in your heart, the devil is also interested in heart. Now our victory over the challenges of life depend heavily on what is going on inside of your heart. The victory that Christ has promised you. The victory that he won for you on the cross of Calvary. The victory that he paid the price for. How you are going to experience this is a function of what is going on inside of your hearts. If you do not, if there is turmoil in that heart, then victory becomes elusive. Okay? And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Reading from verse number 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of that heart comes the issues of life. In other words, whatever, if you protect your heart, if you guard your heart from all the junk that is going on in the world, if you guard your heart from the bitterness, from the anger, from the animosity, from the hatred that is, that is built in our community and in our culture, if you guard your heart, you will find out that the issues of life, the beauty of the things that God has promised you will begin to flow out. But if you do not guard your heart, you will end up injuring your heart and then you end up being bitter, angry and then what? Become despondent. You don't see anything good in life. 
Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issue of life. In other words, whatever controls or influences your heart or mind controls you. Whatever controls the way you think. Whatever controls the way you see the world. Whatever controls the what is going on inside of you will control your, will control your life. Because if you see somebody... And the only thing that the only emotion that you see is the emotion of hatred. You will find out that anytime that person that you are looking at and you have that serious strong emotion for, anytime that person is available is around, you find that you will not be able to function effectively. Because that person, the emotion you have towards that person is what is dictating what is going on inside of you. And what is going on inside of you is what is controlling the way you respond and react. So whoever or whatever influence or control. You know, controls your heart and mind. That is the same influence that will control your life, control your future. So, last week when we were about to close, we said to, we said that if we are going to win the daily battles that confront us in life, we must be able to win the battle for the heart and the mind of believers. We must be able to turn off the faucets that is filling our hearts with junk. In other words, if you are not able to turn off that particular faucet that is filling your heart with junk, you will end up fighting a losing battle. That is why you can preach from here till your face turns blue. If the individual has not made up his mind to allow God to do what God can do in their hearts, you preach and the preaching will not make any difference. You have to turn off the faucet, the junk that is coming into your heart. Unless you turn it off, anything good that you put inside it is a waste of time. It's not like you have a container. That container has already been soiled. And now you want to put fresh water into it. Any fresh water you put into a contaminated container is useless. You have to clean that container. And you have to seal it up in such a way that no fresh contaminants come into that particular container. If you are going to use it. So, if we are going to move forward, if we are going to win the battle for daily, if we are going to win the daily battles that confront our hearts and minds, we must turn off the faucet of junk that fills our heart on a daily basis. If we cannot win the victory over internal battles raging inside of us until we have won the battle for our minds. You cannot guard your house. You cannot have peace inside your house until you have security around your house. Okay? The door to your entrance is broken. There are no keys. There are no hinges. The door is actually gone. And you think you can sleep peacefully in that house? Maybe here in America you can. But in the neck of the wood where I come from, you don't even try it. Okay? Because you know that there are a lot of unwanted visitors that will come in. The same thing for the door of your heart. You cannot have peace going on inside of your heart unless you first of all guard that heart and protect it. Okay. In other words, you cannot win the victory over the internal battles that is raging inside of you until we have won the battle for the mind. Therefore, there's a need to turn off the forces of negative external influences if we are going to be successful. Now, the question this morning that I want to deal with this morning is this. How do you win the internal battles that are going on inside our lives? How do we win that battle for fear? That battle over fear? That battle over insecurity. That battle over stress. That battle over depression. How do you win those individual battles that are going on in our lives? The battle to please other people. How do you win those battles? How do you win the battles that are filling the heart of the mind and the minds of the people who are sitting in churches across the country today? All those people, all those issues that are going on in those How will those people have the victory? That's what we want to talk about this day, this morning. 
How do you win the battle for the mind? And before we start thinking about how to explore that issue and where you give us a, a kind of an idea of how to win that battle, the first question we want to deal with is what is the battle of the mind? What are we talking about when I say the battle of the mind? Last week, you remember, I kept emphasizing battle for the mind. Now we're talking about battle of the mind. Okay? The distinction is that if somebody wants to occupy this particular hall that we're in right now, you must first of all gain entrance. Okay? Or if you don't want anybody that is not invited to come into this place, you shut the doors that lead into this auditorium. Okay? That is the battle for this particular auditorium. Who controls it? And if you shut the doors, then you can control in here. But once you are in here, how do we control each of us? How do we control this particular place so that we can have an orderly service? That is the battle inside the auditorium. So what we're talking about right now is the battle inside of your hearts. What is going on in there? The thoughts that are in your mind. The ideas that are flowing through your mind. How do you manage it? How do you control it? How do you have victory over those things? That's what we're talking about. So the battle of the mind. What is it? The battle of the mind is the internal conflict and struggles that goes on within the heart and minds of individuals. That's what I mean when I talk about a battle of the mind. Okay? The battle of the mind is how you cope with everyday trouble. When you wake up in the morning, you turn on the car, and for some reason, that thing will not start. You wake up in the morning, you get to that particular place where you want to buy Starbucks, you swipe your card, and they say, decline. How do you deal with it? Okay? You wake up in the morning, you get to your office, and you are talking, and your supervisor just come and start giving you some bad news. How do you deal with it? You wake up in the morning, and your husband says, oh, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm walking out of this marriage. How do you deal with it? That is the battle of the mind. How do you deal and cope with the everyday trouble that confronts everybody? How do you deal with the issue of love? How do you deal with the issue of finances? How do you deal with the issue of relationship? How do you deal with the issue of finances and disappointment and failure? How do you deal with the daily, day, everyday challenges? The battle of the mind. That's what I'm talking about. The battle of the mind is about dealing with life and all the challenges that life presents to us. Now, since the beginning of time, man has always had trouble. If you see a man that doesn't have a problem, there are two possibilities. It's either he's a complete moron or he's a liar. Okay? A moron because he has no clue what's going on. He's just going, that's what he's doing. Or he's a liar. He's just putting his head like an ostrich in the sand and trying to ignore the realities of life. Because everybody born of a woman, born into this world, has their own measure of trouble. And since the dawn of the civilization, man has had to deal with everyday issue. Man has had to deal with the issue of disappointment, the issue of betrayal, the issue of failure, the issue of discouragement. We have always dealt with that issue. In other words, life has been happening to people since Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. Life has been happening to people. Okay, Man has always coped with the issue of life. The question then is, why is it today we are finding it increasingly difficult to cope with the issue of life? Why would you see a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 13-year-old wanting to commit suicide? Why? What have you been thinking? Of? I mean, at 13, what are you thinking of that you want to kill yourself? Why would somebody not know? You know why is it very difficult now that we cannot even manage the relationship? We cannot manage failure. We cannot manage disappointment. Why? Why is it increasingly difficult to cope with everyday living? Why? Why is it that all of a sudden we are now having extreme difficulty coping with relationship issue? 
We don't know how to manage. We don't know how to talk to each other anymore. We don't know how to relate in, again, a, a relate in the house of God. All of a sudden, we are finding it extremely difficult to, to even deal with parenting issue, communication issue, issues of intimacy, issues of life. We are having the, how, why is it all of a sudden in this generation, people don't know how to deal with life? What happened? What happened? Well, I will suggest one or two things for you. The Bible tells in the book of Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, reading from verse number 28. A very unusual verse of the scripture. The Bible says, Remove not the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. It says, Remove not the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. In other words, if you are a homeowner and you put up a fence, okay, and the fence is there, and you have been living with your neighbor for years. All of a sudden, there was a change in the ownership of the building. And then the new neighbor now comes and says, This fence is disturbing me. I want to take it off. The Bible is saying, Before you remove that fence, you need to ask the question, Why was the fence there in the first place? Why did you put it there in the first place? But we find in our culture that we are removing a lot of ancient landmarks without asking questions. We are pulling up structures. We are pulling up institutions. We are pulling up the, the place that the things that gave us order, that gave us stability. We are pulling them off without even asking questions. We are saying no, no, no longer, no longer should you correct the children. No longer should you discipline anybody. No longer should you allow people to pray. No longer should you allow people to speak the word of God. You are pulling up all those structures, and then you turn around and wonder, I can't deal with the people. Oh, oh, oh. And you, I mean, you, how can you deal with the issues where you have removed the ancient landmark? The Bible tells us, it says, remove not the ancient landmark which thy father has set. In other words. We as a society, we as a church, we as individuals, we as families, we have lost our ability to manage life and cope with life because we have removed the ancient landmark. What does that mean? It means that we have abandoned common sense living. And what do I mean by common, abandoning common sense living? Number one, I mean that we are now living a disconnected and isolated life. Ask many people, many are no longer rooted or connected to anybody or anything. They want to be alone. They want to control their future. They want to be the final. They want to be the Lord and Master. They want the universe to revolve around themselves. And then they are wondering why they cannot cope with failure. We are now having difficulty coping with challenges of life because we are now living a disconnected and isolated life. Number two, we are now having challenges dealing and coping with life because we are living a selfish and unaccountable life. Selfish and unaccountable life because we are we want to be we want to have our eat our cake and have it at the same time. We don't want anybody to tell us that we're wrong. We don't want anybody to tell us that this thing that we're doing is not correct. We don't have anybody that speaks the truth into our lives. And I always tell people, if you see a man that is unaccountable for to anybody, that person is a dangerous person because he can do anything and nobody will correct him. So we are having problem coping with life, number one, because we are living a disconnected and isolated life. Number two, because we are selfish and only, we are living a selfish and unaccountable life. Number three, we are living an ignorant and misguided living. Ignorant and misguided life. Many have no understanding what a decent lifestyle means anymore. Have you ever read an email? Somebody has not spoken to you in a couple of days or months, and the first thing they tell you when they say, uh, can you give me somebody's number? What about good morning? What about hello? How are you? What happened to courtesy? What happened to common decency? You see somebody who is 80 years old, you say, Jim, are you there when they were doing the naming ceremony? Are you calling that person Jim? What happened to Mr. Jim? 
or Mrs. Joe or Mrs. Jones. Why is it what they, I mean, people are now living as if their brains have been mixed with sawdust. The idea is that we are now living an ignorant and misguided living, and we are wondering why people, when we're having difficulty coping with life. If you come up to me and you insult me by just talking to me anyhow, you think if you have a problem, I'll be the first person to volunteer to help you? No. These things are, oh my, let's move on. So we are living, uh, we are living a life, you know, we are having problem coping with life because we are living an ignorant and misguided life. Number four, we are living, we are having trouble coping with life because we are living a cluttered and a shackled life. What do I mean by cluttered and shackled life? The thing you have no business talking, the issues you have no business dealing with, the things you have no business talking to, you know, you know putting into your life, you put everything in there. And that is why you walk from night to you know you walk eighteen hours a day, and then wonder when you get to work, when you get home you are already you are already out. Your kids can't talk to you. Your family member can't talk to you. They can't do anything. And then after about three four months, you see your kids wearing their pants and they are walking like this. You wonder who told you to dress like that? How will they not dress like that? Where were you? The point we are making is this: cluttered and shackled living has made it. Has now made it possible for us not to even know how to handle the issues of life. And then, why are we having challenges? Number five, as is number four, number five, whatever number we are right now. But the next number, we are living a busy and a meaningless life. Busy and meaningless life. Because we are disconnected, because we are living a meaningless life, because we are living a life that is unaccountable, the life there is a void in our heart. And in order to fill the void, I mean, you don't have anybody, you don't have friends, you don't have where you are going, apart from the clubs and the other things that you are doing, you don't have anybody that you are living life with. So what do you do? Because life is boring, you have to fill 24 hours, you start filling it with all sorts of meaningless things. You start filling it with time, you start going to, you know, you start filling it with busyness. We become so busy for our own good. And we're just wandering through life aimlessly. And when life now falls out of balance, we have difficulty managing it. The Bible tells us a story of a particular uh, two sisters. In the book of Luke chapter 10, the Bible tells us about Mary and Martha. See, Martha was the busy bee. She was everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. But Mary was the one that is contemplating, very relaxed. And Martha even had the gods to start accusing Mary. He said, Mary is not helping me. I'm doing all the work here. Even complain to Jesus. Jesus said, oh boy, relax. Mary, you say, you, are, you, are, you, are, you, have, you have you have kind of a, a filled your life with all sorts of things. He said, Mary has chose the good part. The point I'm making is this. That many of us are having difficulty coping with life because our lives have gotten so busy. Our lives have gotten so cluttered. Our lives have gotten so ignorant. We don't even know how to live anymore. Look at the way people dress. Look at the way people talk. Look at the way people interact with one another. You would think that something has happened. We are supposed to be educated in this generation. But many of the people are walking about like morons. Like imbeciles. They don't know how to behave. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to speak. They don't even know how to relate with people. You're talking to people and their phone is only... The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Now all this type of living that we are engaging has their consequences. When you are disconnected, when you are ignorant, when you are living a cluttered life, you are living a busy life, they have consequences. And the natural consequences of this kind of living is number one, is loneliness. When you cut yourself off from people, you will be lonely. Nobody will be there to share your burden because you have refused to share the burden of other people. 
You have refused to minister to other people. You have refused to reach out to other people. You have refused to touch the life of other people. How do you expect others to touch your life? Number two, the consequence, is the issue of isolation. When you are disconnected, when you cut yourself off, when you are selfish, when everything revolves around you, what happens? People look at you and they tolerate you. And when time comes, they just simply give you the polite greeting and they walk away from you. You are left isolated. In the midst of a crowd, you have nobody to talk to. That is the result of this kind of foolish living. Number three, we now have what is called insecurity. Because you don't trust anybody, you don't talk to anybody, you are disconnected from everybody, you now have the issue of insecurity because you don't trust anybody. There's nobody to work with, there's nobody to relate to, there's nobody to have to confide in. Insecurity follows. And then finally, when you stay in those states for a very long time, apathy will follow. Apathy will follow. You just mean, I don't care anymore. Nobody cares about me, so I don't care about anybody. Okay? And then finally, you become so insensitive. Insensitive that you will make a comment and you will wonder, did you even consider what you said before you said it? You will do things that people will wonder, is this person, does he have a heart beating inside of him? You will do things that people begin to wonder, is this person, if you cut this person up with the blood, it will flow out. You become so stoned, you become so cold, insensitive. And as you continue to do that, you now begin to see that the longer we live in this culture, the longer we remain in this, you know, remain like this as a believer, the more we will begin to realize that we will become angry and bitter. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.